This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So today, I want to take some time to talk about a topic that's been discussed pretty widely in this space in the last... Oh, I'd say month or two. And of course, what I'm talking about is is Basel III and its relationship to the gold market. Is it going to be the game changer or is it a nothing burger? I, I, basically, you know, the overarching theme of what I'm going to say today is that it's somewhere in between. Just like some of these big stories, these game-changing events that we've seen in the past, whether it's the Shanghai Gold Exchange, uh, central banks buying gold, or et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you, I'm forgetting a lot of them, but there's been plenty of other ones. Uh, Pentro, Yuan, gold-backed Yuan. You know, for the most part, there's some truth to them, except for maybe the gold-backed Yuan. Um, but they haven't been absolute game changers. And yet, it, it'd be hard to deny that they haven't had any impact on the gold or the silver markets. And I think that's the case for this as well. Now, quick, a bit of background. Basel III, it's a set of rules that was adopted actually all the way back in 2011. This is by no means n- new it's, it's mostly that some new pieces of it are being implemented uh, coming up here at the end of, of this month, March. And uh, actually, it's not going to be fully implemented uh, according to the current plan until uh, a couple of years in the future, I think. You know, So this is something that's going to continue to play out. But the one specifically that, that people are talking about is, is gold and its uh, classification as a tier one Assets. Now, what, what am I talking about here? A bit of background. Basel III is a set of rules created by the Bank of International Settlements, what many people would call the central bank for central banks. And it was done in response to the financial crisis in, in 2008, 2009. Basically, people realized back then that banks were not as well capitalized as they originally thought. Surprise, surprise. I mean, that's kind of what happens with, with very risky uh, banks, with, with, with exposure to very risky markets, derivatives, um, and, and of course, fractional reserve banking in the first place, uh, their, their assets that they had were, were either illiquid or too risky, or I'm sure there's a whole host of different issues there. And these rules were designed to uh, combat that, to, to prevent um, the next financial crisis, the next downturn, um, threatening the, the existence of some of these banks. And so basically, uh, it, it, it In relation to gold, it rearranges some different assets in terms of of how they're treated as a reserve asset. And and in the United States and and some other places, and this is a bunch of different countries, but going forward, gold's going to be treated as what's called a tier one asset, an asset with little to no risk. Um, which which is accurate, I think accurate. Um, but basically, what that means is that when when you're looking at the overall um, reserve ratios of these banks or the amount of of I guess capital they need to have on hand uh, for for regulatory reasons or to be compliant with these rules, uh, gold is going to uh, play more favorably into helping them meet those requirements. That's basically what this is. Now, there's plenty more aspects to this that I haven't completely read up on because I haven't read through all of Basel III or Basel II, which was you know, the, the, the precursor to this. Um, mostly, I, I want to focus on gold here, and it's, it's you know, is this going to be the game changer for gold? Now, in theory, this would heighten gold's 
it give a gold a, a I guess a, a higher or a better seat at the table of what people would consider financial assets. Now, gold, I, I would argue, has always been a financial asset. Central banks have always considered it as such, and yet there's been times throughout history in which we've seen central banks sell gold. We've seen certainly gold and silver demonetized. We've seen gold lose favor within the financial community or, or community investors, et cetera, et cetera. You know, leading up to the financial crisis and, and certainly in the last couple of years, we've seen that happen with gold. And yet gold is gold. Gold has been gold for thousands of years. It's just that its perception has changed over time. And so in theory, with these new uh, rules in place, it should boost the incentive for for gold to be used as a financial asset that can be treated as risk-free and, and can, can considerably contribute to a uh, central bank's or a private bank's, um, I guess, capital uh, reserve requirements to, to be compliant with these rules. It incentivizes these large entities to own more gold. That's, the, that's the, to boil it all down. In theory, this would incentivize them to own gold when they otherwise may not have or may not have held as much. And so that's kind of the, the whole idea behind this, that when people say the gold market is going to change here in, in the coming week, well, there's going to be more of an incentive for some entities to buy gold. Now, when it's all said and done, as I said before, I don't think that we're going to see some massive shift, a new valuation of gold. Now, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that when we, we wake up uh, uh, you know, next Monday, gold's not going to be at $2,000 uh, an ounce or, or some new revaluation. No, uh, as I said before, these rules are nothing new banks, central banks, etc., have seen these uh, come down the pipe for quite some time now. These are not going to catch them by surprise. I don't think they're going to drastically overnight turn on a dime and change their practices. With that being said, we could see some changes. And I think if anything, we will see uh, gold. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. To some extent, I'd say, even over the next year here, um, be bought more, I guess, whether it's by financial institutions or almost certainly by, by central banks. We've already seen that, Russia, China, um, and, and some other uh, uh, countries and central banks buying gold. We could see that accelerate. We could see that pace, which is already a pretty fast pace, um, continue for some time here. With that being said, gold, the, the, these new rules, I don't think ultimately are going to fully protect the banking sector. Ultimately, what's going to fully protect the banking sector, if you want to call it protection, is going to be the sovereign governments or the IMF or the Bank of International Settlements as a whole when it comes to having to bail them out, right? Or it could even be deposit holders, right? A bail-in situation. That's ultimately what's going to keep these banks afloat. These new um, rules, I, I don't think, will be sufficient in a, a bad enough downturn. I mean, the question is, is it going to get bad enough? But uh, it, these rules are not going to make them immune to... Um, 
having a, a real uh, fear of, of the collapse of, of a banking system within a country or a global financial collapse or anything like that. It, it might make them slightly in a better position, but you know, others would argue that this is bad for the financial system, um, including you know somebody like a, a, a Paul Eberhard over at SD uh, or Silver Doctors. He's um, what, the editor or something like that. There, uh, he he he. Uh, or the curator, something along those lines. And he often rhymes, writes some really good pieces. And he basically says, no, this is allowing gold to, to act in this capacity, uh, furthers their ability to add more debt to the fire, right? Add more fuel to the fire. And it's hard to argue with that either. Now, for again, for gold, maybe this is going to cause a bit of a bid for gold. So for gold, it's not necessarily bad. But, but in the end, what we're looking for is not a bid for gold, in that sense, more banks or central banks buying. That's great. That plays into the supply picture and everything. But overall, what I think many of us are looking is we're looking for some sort of a, I don't know, it's a word that's overused, but a reset, right? Some sort of a reset of this. And, and somehow I don't think that these new rules uh, are going to somehow make the banking system immune to another 2008-like event, whether it's in the housing market or a different derivatives market. It could be in the, a sovereign debt um, crisis within the United States. Uh, it could be something that emanates out of out of China, um, out of the EU. I mean, there's, there's, I just don't see this being enough. Um, and yet, maybe it, it helps them somewhat. And then it, it again gives gold a, a better seat at the table of uh, financial assets, respected financial assets. So I guess that's kind of my take on it: is that it's it's not a nothing burger, but it's not going to be game changing overnight. I think over the next year or two. We could see some some changes in terms of demand. Now, the the big thing that I'm looking for here is when we do have this crisis and people once again, just like in 2008, 2007, realize, hey, gold in these types of crisis situations, it's got liquidity, it's got stability, it's it's has no counterparty risk if you're doing it the right way, um, and well, maybe we should treat it even better. Maybe it should be even a high, more highly prized. Uh, you know, asset or highly, highly valued asset. Um, and then, you know, what, what becomes of that? You know, we're going to have Basel four after that. And then they're going to add, add new rules in place to try and prevent another financial crisis. You know, at some point this can come to an end. I won't be surprised if it's the next crisis that does it. But that's really what I'm looking for is right now this is, yeah, it's giving gold a, what, um, a better rating, um, a better uh, uh, I guess uh, seat at the table. It's it's getting a little bit more respect, but in the whole scheme of things, it's still not what I think it deserves. And and I think that we need another crisis to to remind people of that. Um, I think there's probably going to be a lot of other assets on these banks' balance sheets that you know, like in in, in 2008, are, are going to be found out to be not risk free, uh, not necessarily super risky things like like subprime or mortgage backed securities, but but even other um, assets, whether it's it's a uh, treasury debt, um, quote unquote, uh, uh, investment grade corporate debt, or or uh, even just currencies, you know, and there's all sorts of other financial derivatives and tools that are out there that that central banks and then certainly private banks and financial institutions hold. Um, and I think that's going to be the case that people are going to realize, hey, you know what, maybe we don't always need to buy gold and, and hold gold exclusively, but it certainly gets the job done. It's it's really the premier risk-free asset because you don't have to worry about all these other considerations, whether it's market volatility, illiquidity, uh, inflation, 
uh, default risk, et cetera. Uh, gold doesn't have to deal with any of those things. If you're, a, if you're a private bank or a central bank and you can buy that physical gold and hold it in your own possession. For, for us as the stacker, I, I would not treat this as a, I need to get into gold ASAP and I need to buy as much as possible. Um, because again, I think April is going to come and it's going to go and, and we might say, see some changes, but it's not going to be like a tidal wave of change. Um, like with these past issues, whether it's, um, you know, you, you can pick it North Korea or, or the, the election or, um, you know, pick, pick these other events, a uh, government shutdown, the debt ceiling or whatever, uh, you know, through it all, you know, gold and silver, they've gone up, they've gone down, but, there's nothing wrong with just stacking steady uh, dollar cost averaging over time. Now, there's you know there's something to be said if you if you're really concerned about something like this or let's say you know like North Korea back in 2017 or or something like that and you're thinking, well maybe I want to get into silver and gold now before they go up significantly or even just by you know a couple percentage points and okay there's some value to that you know maybe buying a little bit more this time around if if you're up for that obviously. None of this is financial advice. You can make these decisions for yourself. But in the whole scheme of things, this is not a your time is almost out type of situation. Like you need to, th- those types of tools, unfortunately, have been used a lot in the past uh, in order to, to elicit an emotional response, a fear of missing out response, or just a fear of, of you know, being in some serious financial trouble response from buyers. They go out and buy a lot of silver and gold. Nothing major changes and, and they become disillusioned. They they swing all the way to the other side and think that something like a Basel three or 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 uh, the petro yuan or the gold backed yuan or China and Russia buying gold or whatever that doesn't matter at all which isn't true although that again the gold backed yuan is very questionable but uh, I mean that's it's the answer somewhere in between and I think stacking this out over the long term understanding the fundamentals haven't really changed in terms of debt in terms of uh, radical monetary policy, uh, the, the the demographic issues in places like the United States, EU, Japan, South Korea, etc. Um, the fact that China's bubble has been the main contributor to economic growth over the last 10 years, and that's showing signs of fading. Those are the fundamentals that you have to understand. Those are the fundamentals that day in and day out should keep you realizing that, hey, gold, silver, we... I'm comfortable stacking these at a steady pace over time because I know it's going to pay off in the end in one way or another, but I don't need to buy into this. Uh, next time I buy gold, I have to buy uh, five times as much as usual. I need to, to go in a bunch of debt to get this gold or to get this silver because I, I don't want to miss out. I, I think that's going to be a little bit short-sighted. So that's just my take on it. Obviously, make these decisions for yourself. Um, again, this is not meant to be a gold bashing or gold negative video by any means. I'm just saying that the fundamentals, ha- I don't think will change a whole lot as a result of this Basel three. I think it's been hyped up by some. But other people have come out and basically said, you know what, this is not a huge deal uh, in terms of, of things changing overnight. People uh, have seen this coming for a long time. And... Um, its its impact, I think, is going to be a, a more gradual impact, whether it be on the banking system or gold as a whole. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this video down below in the comment section. If you disagree, let me know. Um, as always, I'd like to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video or listening to this podcast, and God bless.